0: Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala ishrafil anbiya muhammadur rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam wa manu ala abhad my brothers and sisters it is the haqq of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that when his name is mentioned that his ummati send salat and salam on him send durood on him so please do that need not be done loudly you can do it soft softly but always let it not pass by without saying at least sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the more you do, the better. Inshallah, this is the only zikr. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala rewards us for all kinds of zikr. Any mention of the name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, His blessed attributes, any reading of the Quran, Salah, and so on and so forth. All of these are zikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and Inshallah, mustan Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will reward us for all of them. But the only zikr about which Rasulullah said. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, will reward you for every one time that you send salat and salam on me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send salam on you ten times. Allah will send salam on you ten times. For every single time you send salam on me, the only dhikr where Allah will send salat and salam on the person making the dhikr is the durud of uh, is the durud on Wasallam. so let us try to do that uh, as much as possible inshallah and this is a very blessed thing and it has a many many fadal of durud that is not my subject here now so we will not go into that but it is one of the uh, best azkar of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. so try to do as much uh, durud as possible every time he is mentioned we come to the second quality by which Wasallam <inaudible> stood out which is his kindness now unfortunately among the many things that we have left this is perhaps the thing that we have left the most right we have become generally speaking of course there are obviously there are exceptions and we want to be among those exceptions but generally speaking we have become very hard and harsh people there's no compassion there's no kindness uh said many things for example one of the things he said was that he said that the uh, the ummah is such that he said that the ummah is like a body if the head pains the whole body knows the pain right so if there is any Pain anywhere, any suffering anywhere, then it is a sign and mark of compassion to feel that suffering. Not simply to feel it, but to do something about it. That doing something is a second stage after you feel the need for it. Today, if you look at, if you if you look around us, right? I'm not even talking about the big ticket items like what is happening with the Rohingya or what is happening with the, with this, with Syria or Yemen. I'm talking about generally if you look around us. Is there any shortage of poverty? Is there any shortage of people who are deprived from basic necessities of life? What is it that we are giving up to help those people? I'm not talking about zakat because zakat is fard, zakat is the differentiator between iman and kufr. We are not talking about We are talking about more than zakat. What more are we giving? As I said, there are people who are giving. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless them and, and, and sustain that. But what about the rest of us? What is it more that we are giving? Every time you buy yourself something, right? If you buy yourself new clothes or whatever it is, do we think about somebody else? You think about also buying for somebody else. Do you even think about giving away your old things which are in good condition to somebody else? Or do we just pile up and pile up and pile up and we have cupboards and cupboards and cupboards full of uh, clothes? Some of them you don't even wear that one time in a year because there are so many of them. And yet, they are there. And only when you are dead, then somebody will, will distribute them because nobody wants them at that time, at that point in time. This kindness was something which was so characteristic of Rasulullah sallallahu There are many, many, many incidents about the kindness of Nabi sallallahu Right? Some of them you have uh, heard many times but alhamdulillah, there is barakah in… Uh, in uh, reminding ourselves again and again about the uh, beauty and the… Uh, the, the, the beauty of his life, aissalam. So we will we'll talk about some of these uh, some of these incidents of, of kindness. For example, uh, if you look at the and I am deliberately taking, looking at you know some of these so-called small things but they are not small in any way because we are looking at things which are very significant. Uh, take the incident which we have all heard about this woman uh, who was standing by the wayside, she had her baggage with her. And uh, Rasulullah came by and he asked her, why why are you here? She said, I am waiting for someone to help me to carry this baggage to the place where the caravans start from. So, Rasulullah said, I will help you. He picked up the bags. He picked up her luggage on his head. And he and this uh, elderly lady, they are walking to the uh, place where the caravans gather. So, he asked her, he said, where are you going? She said, I am leaving Makkah. I am leaving Makkah. He said, why are you leaving Makkah? This is a very strange thing. Why would you leave your hometown? She said, because I am sick and tired of this man called Muhammad. So, what has he said says to him, what has he done to you? He said, no, he did not do anything to me, but you know, he is uh, preaching some religion because of which uh, families are being uh, broken up and uh, parents are leaving children, children are leaving parents and so on and so forth. And we worshipped our old gods. Now, he wants us to worship uh, only one God and so on, so I am… Uh, I am tired of this." And she is, you know, goes on with this and Rasulullah is just listening to her and he is helping her as she walks along. And she says, you know, you are such a nice person, uh, so kind of you, you are helping me with this baggage and so on, all of this uh, and so on, and so forth. And when they finally reach the place, uh, he puts it all down and she said, you know, what can I pay you? He said, no, nothing. Alhamdulillah, I helped you. He said, she is so impressed. Oh my God, you're not even taking anything. You know, thank you so much and so on. She said, what is your name? He said, my name is Muhammad. So, she says, "Which Muhammad. He said, the same one you were talking about. He said, you are the same person? He said, I am the same person. She said, if you are the same person, then why am I leaving Mecca and going? So, he said, I don't know. So, she said, please take my <laughs> Please take my luggage back. I'm not going anywhere. Alhamdulillah. If you are that person, then I believe in you. Alhamdulillah. No, he didn't, he didn't present Islam to nothing. That's why I say people believed Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa before they believed in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa People came to Islam because they loved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Not because they were convinced by some complicated arguments and this and that. No. Lesson for us. How am I leading my life? Who is... I'm not saying lead your life to impress anybody because we want to lead our life, inshallah, with sincerity for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the effect of the life, where is it felt? What do people say about you? What do most people say about you when you are not watching, you are not listening? How do they refer to you? What do they say about you? Why do they say that? Whose life are you and I impacting positively? That is the question to ask. Zaid bin Haritha, he was a little boy, and a uh, long story of how he came to be in the household of Ramissa, but leaving that story aside, he was assigned to Ramisa. Say that Kubra uh, she gave him Zaid bin Haritha as a slave to serve him. Rasulullah <laughs> Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam immediately freed him. He never kept any slaves. He freed him. And he kept him as a member of his household. So Zaid bin Haritha says, says uh, one day Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave me some money and told me to get something from the market. This is in Makkah. So, he said, I went with the money and on the way, I met some of my friends, they were playing a game. I forgot about my errand. I joined their game and I got involved in the game and we were running around and playing and so on and so on. Now, Rasul is waiting. Here is this young boy. He sent him to the market. He doesn't come back for a long time. So, obviously, Nabi is now worried because Uh, you know, maybe something happened to him, he got kidnapped or God knows what happened to him. So, Rasul now went searching for him. He found him playing this game. So, he called him. Zaid bin Hadi said, I suddenly got very frightened because, you know, I was sent for something and instead of doing that, I'm playing this game. So, I got very worried and I thought I'm going to get a beating or something. But he said, Nabi sallam smiled, he said, what happened to you? He said, Ya Rasul, I forgot I was playing this game. He said, okay, don't worry. Uh, Give me the money. Where is the money? I'll go and get the thing myself. So, Harishan says, I am now searching in my pockets. Money is gone. Whatever ca- cash was there, it fell somewhere. He said, I looked here and there. I can't find the money. So, he did not do the job. He went, got involved in some game somewhere. Plus, he lost the money also. He said, Rasul Rasulullah smiled. And he said to him, finish your game and come home. Huh? Finish your game and come home. Anas bin Malik, another young boy, must have been maybe eight or nine years old or something like this, when Rasulullah made hijrah and came to Medina, the mother of Anas bin Malik she brought him and said, Ya Rasulullah, this is my son, I am giving him to you to serve you and be your servant. He also entered his household, he was treated like a son, nobody treated him like a servant. Anas bin Malik remained with Nabi sallam until his last day in Medina, which is a period of ten years. Anas bin Malik said, I was a young boy. <coughs> I used to you know do what young boys do, I would forget things, I would Nabi sallam would tell me to do something, I would do something else. All of this, he said, in that whole period of ten years, not only did Rasulallah not reprimand me. Not only did he not criticize me, he said even on his blessed face, there was never even a wrinkle on his forehead with regard to my behavior. He never showed the slightest displeasure or anger with me, no matter what I did. He's one of the greatest sahaba of Mr. He's a he's he's one of the one of the people who have narrated many hadiths, and the best thing about his life, which I always remember and recall, and I ask Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for this, is that Ansab Malikat Alano said that after Rasulullah Sallallahu passed away, he would see Rasulullah Sallallahu in his dream every single night until he died. Allahi taala. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us uh, the. Didar and the and the ruya of Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in our dream inshaAllah. And to enable us to meet him on the Day of Judgment on his house and to receive the water of Al-Kawthar from his head, inshaAllah. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam demonstrated kindness throughout his life. Right? In incident after incident after incident. Many, many incidents. I don't want to narrate incident after incident. I think what I have said is enough, inshallah. The key thing now is to look at ourselves and say, what is it that I am doing in my life? Which is kindness? Please understand, kindness is not necessarily something you do or actually it is not even something you do because somebody else did good to you. Kindness is what you do because you are you whether anyone did good to you or not this is how you behave because this is how you this is who you are in uh, Madina one of his sworn enemies one of his greatest enemies was the head of the munafikun abdullah bin Salul. When he died, his son who was a Sahabi, who was a Muslim, Ubay bin Salul, right? So his son Abdullah bin Ubay, uh, Radhalanu, he came to Nabi Sallam and he said, My father Ubay bin Salul has passed away. And uh, he knew who his father was, he knew what his father used to do and so on and so on. So here is the son trying to help his father uh, as much as he can. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, I have a request. Uh, can you please give your shirt? Can you give your garment uh, to be used as a coffin for my father? He is trying to get the barakah from the person of Wasallam for the forgiveness of Ubay, Ubay bin Saloo. Then he said, Also, can you come and do the Salat al Janaza for my father? Rasulullah agreed to both. He took off his shirt and he gave it to him. Now, remember, this is the clothing of the Nabi Sallallahu which has been in contact with the body of Rasulullah Sallallahu What can be something of greater barakah than that? Ubay bin Sarul is buried in that. Rasulullah Sallallahu stood for his salatu janaza. Umar Ibn Al Khattab came to him, stood in front of him, and he said, "Ya Rasulullah, this man is the is an enemy of Islam. This man." Did everything possible to harm you while he was alive. Right? And there is nothing good in this man. Please do not lead Salatul Janaza for him. Ramdi told to Move aside. He said, Move aside. So Sayyidina Muhammad moved aside. Rasulullah led the Salatul Janaza of Ubay bin Salul, and then he buried him. Right. After that, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala revealed the kalâm, the ayat of Surah of Tawbah where Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said, "Even if you ask forgiveness for these people seventy times, Allah will not forgive them." Now, this is the uh, rahmah of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala towards His Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu that Allah did not reveal this ayat before the Salatul Janata because it would have been like a, you know, reprimand to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi uh, if the ayat was revealed, that he could not have prayed salatul janazah. But after that, Allah not only did Allah say this, Allah also said thereafter, Allah said, do not stand on their cover. He said, do not pray salatul janazah for these people. The ayat of Surah Tawah are very clear. Right? Now, my point is, this is apart. This is Alhamdulillah, this is Minallah, ta'ala, whatever Allah does, also shows us one of the side, uh, very important side lessons is that there is no barakah in anything unless your own personal actions are in accordance with the deen of Islam. If you do not have iman, if you do not do good deeds, if you do not please Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, if you go against Allah, if you go against Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then even the barakah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's personal person will not save you from the punishment of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The, the I don't think there is anything any evidence which is stronger than this it's story of. Ubay bin Saloon that even though he was buried in the clothing of the Prophet ﷺ, Even though Nabi ﷺ himself prayed his Salatul Jāraza, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala openly declared and said Allah will not forgive him And will not forgive these people meaning the Munafiqoon Even if you ask forgiveness for them 70 times they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi They say, "Rasulullah, this is the ayat which has come." And uh, what do you say, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Even in that state, he says, "If I knew that Allah will forgive, if I ask seventy-one times, I will ask seventy-one times." Now, this is the meaning of kindness. Here is a man now uh, being kind to somebody who is kind to you. Of course, it's, it's normal. It is. It should happen. If it doesn't happen, then it's a fault of yours but here is a man who was not kind here's a man who in in the battle of Ahad he took away his people and, and left so nabi wa was left with half the army right now in many ways i mean i, I this is not my this is not a session on on service, but i'm saying that in every single possible way that he could harm nabi sallam, he tried his best yet Rasulullah ﷺ did not deny him anything, including at the end Rasulullah ﷺ did his best so that the man would be forgiven for whatever he had done. This is the Mashiach of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed something else. But the Prophet ﷺ, if you say, what was the conduct of the, of the Messenger Muhammad ﷺ? His conduct was to seek forgiveness for the one who harmed him. Okay? Now, question is, what is our level of kindness? That's something to think about. Now, this does not mean that you are not kind. I'm just saying, let us think about these things. Let us reflect on them and let us try to ensure that we at least aspire to the standard that the Prophet ﷺ set for us. I'm not saying we have to reach the standard. Obviously, we can't, but we have to a standard is there for a reason. The standard is there for us to aspire towards it. Right? Last one, in terms of differentiation, is the issue of obey, obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, this is one of the, to me, one of the biggest differentiators and one of the biggest proofs of the truthfulness of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The fact that he was a Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is this issue of obeying allah himself if you look at different kinds of or different uh, you know uh, kinds of law uh, especially medieval times uh, pre-medieval times and so on so forth uh, including today for example if you take today if you take british law today uh, the queen uh, elizabeth ii or the head of uh, the, the the queen of england or the king of england not only her as a person but this the, the 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 position the head of state of the of britain is the king or queen and the king or queen is above the law the queen cannot be pro- cannot be prosecuted in a british court of law so jokingly they used to say when uh, earlier they were talking about pre- president trump Uh, visiting, uh, you know, coming to the UK and uh, people didn't want him and there's all these protests against his his coming. They used to say that the only person who can kill him and get away with it is the queen because she can't be prosecuted in a British court cultural So She can kill him and nothing will happen to her. Now, point point being that jokes apart, even today, we have systems, legal systems, where the head of the state or uh, whichever is the supreme leader, is above the law. That law does not apply to them. Famous statement of Louis XIV. Somebody of, of uh, France. Uh, somebody said to him something about the law. He said, I am the law. Right? Rasulullah He was the legislator on behalf of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala sent some ahkam. He sent some uh, laws and rules and regulations in the Quran clearly orders of Allah in other cases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and many of those things which I mentioned in my last uh, class Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave blanket permission to nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to say whatever he wanted and Allah said that is the law for you right Allah said whoever obeys the messenger has obeyed Allah blanket statement Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said take from him whatever he gives you and leave whatever he tells you to leave. Ma whatever the Rasul gives you. Hold it take it. Wa ma anhu, whatever he stops you from stop. Whatever it is. Irrespective whatever it is. So, if Rasul had wanted, he could have said, you know, this issue of such and such. Uh, take, for example, five for salawat. These are for you. Does not apply to me. He could have said that. Did he ever say that? Did Nabi ever miss a salah in the masjid? Except when he was traveling, when he would pray outside, wherever he was traveling. But when he was in Madina. Did he ever miss, do you have evidence to say he missed any single salah in the masjid? Even when he was sick and he was sick to the point where he could not stand, he could not walk, he got two people to carry him into the masjid. They said we saw his feet were dragging. He could not even hold his own weight. They were carrying him and his feet were dragging on on the ground. If there was anyone who could have said that I have a separate special connection with Allah, I don't need this salah, this salah is for you. If there was someone who was justified or would be justified to say it, it was the Prophet ﷺ. He never said it. We know the famous story of this uh, lady from uh, Quraysh who uh, stole something and then uh, after due process of law, she was uh, sentenced uh, for her uh, hand to be amputated and usama bin Zayd radiallahu anhu they came to him and they said to him you are a favorite of rasulullah sallallahu because usama bin zaid was the son of zaid bin haritha and zaid bin haritha until allah subhanahu wa taala sent the ayat saying that wama uh, uh, Allah said, He is not a, the father of any of the men among you uh, until that ayat and then the prohibition on uh, adopting and giving your name to a child. Until then, Zaid bin Haritha, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and there's a whole story actually maybe i should tell you that story as well because that's part of the kindness anyway we come to that so nabi took him in the to the haram in front of the kaaba and he declared that he is my son and he is being his name is Zayd bin muhammad so he was known as zaid bin muhammad now his son usama bin zaid, was like a grandson of rasul he grew up in his house so they said to him go and intercede on behalf of this lady please tell rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that she is comes from a very uh, you know big family powerful family uh, mm-hmm. and uh, this amputation of the hand and so on you know doesn't look nice so can he change the punishment give something else maybe she can pay a fine uh, or whatever that case might be can she do that zaid bin, uh, bin zaid said when i said to him he said his blessed face change color he became red with anger, he came into the masjid, he said he stood on the member and he said, if this was Fatima bint Muhammad, if this lady was my own daughter, I would have given her the same punishment. Because he said the hudud of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are there for everyone. He did not say, well, you know, in my case, it is different, uh, in the, applies to somebody else, no. He said, even if it was my own daughter, this is the punishment that would have been given because this is the had of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalalahu irrespective of what. This was the, was one of the basis on which Rasulullah sallallahu stood and differentiated on this basis. So once again, we look at ourselves and say, what is the level of my obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? My brothers and sisters, I remind myself when you That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us this very clearly. And this is something which we accept and understand for everything except religion. Which is that benefit comes only from complete practice. Right? Today, dieting is a big fad. So, everyone is on some diet or the other. the Paleo diet and this diet and keto diet and biryani diet is of course standard for us Hyderabadis. So, you have people who are on these diets and they are they stick to that, religiously, they will not go. But other people, you ask them, they say, "No, oh, what, you know, today I had this and tomorrow I had this, and which is, you basically, you call it a cheat day and you are cheating. Who are you cheating? Yourself. So, you have all this. Now, results are very clear. The one who is doing all this, there is no, there is no change in his uh, topography, right? So, even with dieting, irrespective of anything, if you want expertise in something, if you want to gain the maximum benefit of something, you have to do that continuously. The 10,000 hour rule, you have to do that fully and completely. Partial practice does not get you results. Now, this is something which we understand about everything. Nobody will say, I'm going to college to study something, but I will read only half the books nobody no, no, even something like this you won't even say because you know how st- how stupid that sounds but with religion allah said allah said enter into islam fully and completely this we don't do we do it selectively i like something i do it i don't like something i don't do it and then we wonder, we say, why has Allah abandoned us and why is dua not accepted and this and that and the other. We know why. We know very well why. i give you an example. Because of uh, who I am and what I do, I get invited to all kinds of uh, meetings. Most of them I don't attend, but uh, those I attend. And these are meetings of uh, the leaders of the Muslim community. So, there are business people in that. There are academicians in that there are ulama in that and almost all the meetings are centered towards uh, what do we need to do to help our situation in this country or globally Uh, muslims are under pressure from everywhere and there's lot of oppression and so on and so forth and our uh, you know lakshan do not look good so what must we do to change the situation allah is witness I have never ever heard, irrespective of who was in this meeting, including meeting of ulama, I have never once heard somebody say, the first thing we need to do to change our situation is rujo ilallah, إل is to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to do our own Islam first. So what are we going to do to change in our lives and to bring about change in society? Let us look at that. Not one single meeting. Not even meeting of ulama. I am saying this openly. Let the ulama hear this. Not one single meeting. All kinds of complicated and complex and convoluted schemes and strategies. This is what we must do politically and so many (coughs) seats we have to win and this constituency and that constituency and every conceivable thing on the face of the earth except the rida of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you will stand here in Salah and you will say, You really believe that? Do you really believe that? That the world belongs to Allah? That He gives control and He gives authority to who He wants and He takes it away from who He wants? Do you really believe this? Or this is bankam? Tell me. If you really believe this and if you don't believe this then this is the ayat of the Quran. If you really believe this then when you want to talk about control how come you talk to everybody else except the one who has it? Seriously I am saying how is it that obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a part of Muslim strategy globally? How? Why? Even where we have made everything into a meaningless ritual. So in many Muslim organization meetings, it starts with the recitation of the Quran. So somebody will come and they will <coughs> recite Surat al fatiha or some other ayat of the Quran. And most of them recite it badly without Tajweed and so on and so forth. But that's a different issue. So they will do some recitation of the Quran. Finished. Ritual over. Khalas. Now, you talk about everything under the sun except the one who can make a difference in your life. Why? Because that is inconvenient. If I, that's the reality. The bottom line is, it is inconvenient. If I say and acknowledge the fact that the only one who can change my situation is Allah Jalla Jalaluhu, and He has put a condition to say, be obedient if you want me to obey you, if you want me to listen to you. (coughs) Huh? فَإِنِّي قَرِيبُ أُجِيبُوا دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ ذَادَانَ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ In Surah Al-Baqarah Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said When my slave asks about me I am close to him. Let him ask me I will give him. But two conditions. Let him obey me. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا Let him obey me. وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي And let him have faith in me yarshudun, So that he may be rightly guided. So if we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change our condition, if we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change our state, what must we do? Obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How did our state become like this? Allah told us very clearly. Allah said Allah does not change the condition of a people until they change it themselves. Meaning, Allah does not change the good condition of a people until they destroy it themselves from within. This is the meaning of the ayah. Usually it's quoted wrongly. But the actual meaning of the ayah is Allah does not change the good condition of a people until they change it themselves. Meaning that they become disobedient, they do all kinds of things that they should not do and so therefore Allah allows the principle of cause and effect to happen. So, if we have reached this stage and we know why we reached this stage by the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we want this to change, what must we do? Obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's the rocket science in this? So, that's why I'm saying today, it's a really, I mean, if if any of you, your experience is different, may Allah, you know, increase that. But my experience of every single meeting, People running Muslim organizations, people, business people, political people, you know, academicians, professionals, and ulama of Islam. Maulana so-and-so, Mufti so-and-so, 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 not one single sentence will be spoken about how can we bring about Islam in the Ummah, Islam in our society as a strategy to change our situation in this country, nobody. Why? This is the lesson from the life of Prophet ﷺ that the help of Allah will come if we are obedient to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Not otherwise. Not otherwise. And that is why Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, after he in the Battle of Badr, after he did the preparation. He stood in Salah. Allah said, Take the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with sabr and Salah. Sabr is to do your best. Completely exhaust all possibilities. Do everything that you need to do. And Salah is to make dua after that. The Salah is to prevent the sabr from becoming a problem for you. Is to take out the, the possibility of kibar from sabr, To take out the possibility of arrogance from your effort. You don't fall into the trap of uh, feeling that, oh, this is because of me. No. You do all this and you stand before Allah and you say, Allah, I am nothing, I am helpless. They are not just saying this. This is the actual reality. I have done whatever I knew to do. But you are the one who has to put the life into this thing. Because only you can give it life. I am sick, I have taken medicine. Ya Allah, there is no power in the medicine. You have to put the Shifa in the medicine for the medicine to have an effect. Hmm. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Musa s-salam had a headache. He had a very bad headache. I, I love Musa alayhi Such Such relationship with Allah alayhi wa sallam. Musa alayhi wa sallam is primary salam. So Musa s-salam had a headache. So what does he do? He said, I have a headache. Allah knows. Yalla, ya what shall I do? Musa alayhi says, go to that tree. Allah wa says, go to that tree take those leaves, grind them and apply. Very good. So, Musa A.S. goes there, takes the leaves, grinds, applies, headache gone. After some days, he has a headache again. So, he goes to the tree, takes the leaves, grinds, applies, nothing happens. Headache is still there. Yeah? The therapy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, headache is still there. Musa a.s. said, Ya Allah, I applied the leaves. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, did you ask me first? <laughs> Is the Shiva in the leaves or in me? Ya Allah, you have to ask. Ya please put Shiva. Not in the leaves. Leave that. These are because we live in a world of material means. Shaitan has convinced us that everything lies in material. So even when we are in difficulties, you are looking for solutions in material. Whereas the solution is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jalla Jalla. Now, lip service we all do i'm sure anybody will see who sees this he will say oh hum kab hum kab nahi bole ab kya kufur kar rahe allah allah, 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 allah only allah does if allah does how come you do not ask allah subhanahu wa taala in a meeting, mein, how is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not a formal part of your strategy? I do this routinely. I My business consulting, Muslim business families. When we talk about organizational values, we do the value workshop and so on. So I tell them, please write down your What are your core values? Again, Allah is witness. May Allah help us. Not one single Muslim business family who I did this exercise for put put the rida of Allah as a core value for themselves. Not one. I mean, they are not engaged in some illegal business or haram thing. No. They are doing good stuff. Alhamdulillah. The values that they put are good values. But I am saying, where is the rida of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How come you don't put the rida of Allah as a core business ideal of yours. I am running this business to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How come you don't say that? Shara baati Gali dene shara ba ra. Ek sek deyete, mashallah. <laughs> Look, we have to ask, I'm, that's why I said, this Course is not about stories. This course is about relating it back to ourselves. What am I doing? What is the position of the Ridha of Allah? Ridha of Allah comes from obedience to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stood out on this basis. The Sahaba stood out on this basis. We have to please Allah. This is our goal. We will do whatever it takes to please Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Jala jala. Same Allah, same Nabi, same Kitab, same Sunnah, same religion. How come we have changed? That is the reason the dua of the Sahaba was accepted. Because the hands which were raised asking Allah had previously been raised in the obedience of Allah. Today our hands are raised asking Allah Those hands had previously been raised in the disobedience of Allah. So dua is not accepted. Just ask yourself, how come? And and are are people not making dua today for what is happening in Syria and Yemen? How much of dua we are making? And Dua is made everywhere in Hajj, in the Kaaba, in the Haram, here, there, name every holy place, name everything in Ramadan, in Laylatul Qadr. Yeah, that the, 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 the 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us this with, uh, with khair and with good health. Inshallah they will come through all of this. In Umrah, in Tawaf, in Masjid Al Nabawi, in, um, in, in you name it, in Quds. People are making dua after dua after dua. Where is the result? Where is the result? I am not saying everybody is uh, evil. No. The decisions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come on the collective action of the community. They do not come on the basis of the action of a couple of people. So Alhamdulillah there are good people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiply them. Keep them safe and protected. But the majority of the Muslims where are we? You know this. I know this. I don't want to waste your time telling you. Our duas are not accepted. Because we do not obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want duas to be accepted? Obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want to talk about strategies to change your situation? Sincerely don't make that into another meaningless ritual like reciting Quran sincerely sit and talk number one strategy how can we become obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala each one of us let us look at ourselves how can we make society obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what can we do as the leaders of society to influence society to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because khair is only in that do this this is what Rasulullah used to do (coughs) as a strategy as something that was in him this is what the sahaba did complete and total obedience to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah comes first everyone and everything else comes thereafter believe me life becomes very simple if you do that life becomes very very simple shaitan will tell you That you know people will, you will lose all your friends and this one. Believe me, no, nothing will happen. You will not lose friends. If at all, you will exchange your current friends for better ones. That's all. People who are disobedient to Allah, who probably are hanging out with you now, you don't need them anyway. When you become obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of two things will happen. They will become like you, alhamdulillah. Or they will leave you, alhamdulillah. You won't lose friends. You won't lose popularity. Even if you lose all of that. Tell me how many of them will come into your khabar. So what does it matter? What does it matter? Whether somebody thinks you are good or bad, believe me makes no difference. The reality is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows and counts. That is the reality. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said one of the three babies who spoke from the cradle Hmm? one was isa the other one was the little baby uh, in those people uh, who uh, were made to leap into the fire by the king eh? and the baby in, in the in the in the lap of his mother and the mother didn't want to you know, obviously she hesitated to jump into the fire the baby said jump into the fire this is jannah so second one third one rasul said was a baby who was the mother was holding him and uh, he was sitting there and a prince came along and he was on his caparisoned horse and he was you know all his royal splendor with soldiers and so on the mother said, Oh Allah, make my son like this prince. And the baby spoke and said, Oh Allah, do not make me like this prince because he is an evil man. And after some time, there was a woman who was going by and there were people abusing her and somebody was throwing stones at her and so on and so forth. And the mother said, Oh Allah, make, do not make my baby like this woman because she is an evil woman. The baby spoke and said, Oh Allah, make me like this woman because she is a wali of Allah. so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the thing and he spoke obedience and disobedience to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the criterion for success or failure this is what i want to end with this and then we do the little exercise and then we go off which is this is where we have faltered hugely hugely we need to bring ourselves back today we have made the criterion of success and failure only one which is money just money as a criterion of success and failure is the criterion of everyone and everything who is evil in this life? How does the mafia you know how, how do they decide whether it's been a good year or a bad year? How much money how much money did we make? Simple. You make the you made the money through drug dealing, you made the money through prostitution, you made the money through killing people. no problem. no problem made money. Khalas. Do you want to be like this? The criterion of success and failure is obedience to Allah or disobedience to Allah. That is the criterion. The name of obedience to Allah is the Sunnah of Muhammad. So, therefore, if you want to come back and say, Well, okay, I think I'm obedient, but how do I know if I'm really obedient or not? How do I know how obedient I am? Go to the Sunnah of Muhammad and say, Is my life on the Sunnah of Muhammad sallam? And if the answer is yes, inshallah, your life is on the sunnah of Wasallam, and you are trying to do that, alhamdulillah, inshallah, mustahar, you are successful. If that is not the case and you might say, well, you know, how can I be fully, even if you are not fully on the sunnah, at least you are not breaking the sunnah, at least you are not going against the sunnah, alhamdulillah. But if on the contrary you find that you are not praying, you are doing things which are against the sunnah, then time to change. High time to change because the time to go is predetermined and we do not know when that time is going to come. So, we'll end now finally with this uh, little exercise which I want you to do this for yourself. Uh, I want you to look at three things. Number one is I want you to make a list of three things in your life which you believe you must change. I don't know what that is your life you must see what are the three things in your life you believe you must change in order to differentiate on the basis that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam differentiated himself and his followers you want to stand out on this basis how so in your life what is those three things which must change believe me pick the most painful first because that one if you get over everything else will become easy three things. What are the three things that I must change? The one that hurts your ego the most will be the first thing you should change. That is how shaitan has got you by the neck. You don't want to be in that position. Pick three things. Not more than three, three things. Deal with those three. Then once you are finished with the three, then we look at some more. But three things. And then you say, To change these three things What are the factors Supposing for example You say I want to From tomorrow This night onwards I want to pray tahajjud And I ask Allah To make me Give me istighawat on this And I want to pray Until my last day I ask Allah To take my soul In sujood In tahajjud Inshallah Right So I am going to start From tomorrow Now Take tahajjud And say What are the factors Which will help you to succeed So I have decided I am going to pray tahajjud Inshallah This is the change I want to bring, bring in my life What must I do Number one, I must sleep early. You cannot pray tahajud if you are sleeping at two o'clock in the night. Number two, get off Facebook. Seriously. And so on. Number three, don't eat one. Huge meal in the, late in the night. Right? So, what are the things which will help you to pray tahajud? Thinking of that as one thing. Whatever it might be. May not be tajud for you because you're already praying. So, it might be something else for you. Whatever it is. Eh? Number two is, what are the factors which might hinder your efforts? So, you might say, well, you know, I have this, I've got into this habit now where uh, 10 o'clock in the night my friend phones me and says, uh, come, I'm waiting for you. Let's go, you know, go, go have a coffee somewhere. You're not doing anything haram. But 10 o'clock in the night you go to have coffee, that's halas to your tajud. Because by the time you come back home, it is 2 o'clock in the night. Nothing wrong with drinking coffee. But doing it at that time is going to affect your tahajud. Then you get this invitation to this wedding and that wedding. Yeah? You are neither the bride nor the groom nor the khadi. Why are you going? But you go. Then, eleven o'clock in the night you eat this much of biryani. Where is tahajud? Any? So, what are the factors which will hinder your efforts? And last one is, what are your plans to deal with that? Things which are hindering your effort and things which will strengthen. So, the thing which will strengthen, what will I do? I will get off Facebook. I will sleep early. I am going to put an alarm in the morning to wake up for Thayajud. What will I give up? I will give up all these kind of wrong places, wrong things. Uh, let kuch to standard editing so the point I am making is that please do this exercise tonight I am mean, not saying do it right now but uh, do it today inshallah before you come for the class tomorrow because the whole point of this is how can we bring the sirah into our lives and inshallah must may Allah give you strength and power and may allah give you the ability to do this and then give you istiqamat steadfastness on that inshallah by allah subhanahu wa taala you will see the effect of this in your own life you will see how your whole life will change because you brought your life onto the sunnah